Hello and welcome to this video. Today we're going to be analysing the Dostoevsky quote, the famous dictum of Dostoevsky, if there is no God, everything is permissible. Now, of course, there's a lot of things which can be said about this from whether it's a correct formulation, different implications, is it correct, and all these different talks. And today we're going to be anal analysing this in depth. So if you're interested in that, make sure you watch till the end. I will be talking about every single part of this quote, breaking it down into the context of Dostoevsky in various different works. So if you want the full analysis, make sure you watch the end. And of course, if you want to skip to any part of this video, I'll have timestamps in the description below as to what you are interested in, what you might be interested in looking at. So before we get into this, however, if you enjoy this content, make sure to like and subscribe. It really means a lot to me. It really helps this channel grow. Share it with your friends, share it with your family and people who might in be interested in Dostoevsky. And this is something that you might find very helpful. And if you have any questions about anything, let me know in the comments below. I'll happily interact with that there. So let's get started with this quote. And of course, the first thing you have to discuss is, well, is this the correct formulation? Did Dostoevsky say these words? And I think the answer is both yes and no. No in the sense that in the Brothers Karamazov, what we do see is if there is no immortality of the soul, then everything is permissible. But in the conceptual side of the thing, this is an argument that Dostoevsky tries to present from various different angles. And of course, you could say, well, the mortality of the soul is almost identical with the belief in God. And that is a reasonable case to make, because, of course, it'll be, it'll be kind of weird to believe in the afterlife, a spiritual side of humanity, without also a belief in God, or at least some sort of divine being. There seems to be a direct uh, link between the two things. However, at the same time, you could also say they're not the same. And as a result, you can treat them as two different things. And I will try to do that in this video, both uh, approaching this from the perspective of the mortality of the soul and also the God idea. I think both of these ideas can be found in Dostoevsky and we'll be analyzing them separately in this video to kind of give you the clearest understanding of the content. So now that we've kind of talked about this kind of idea, let's start talking about, well, why does Dostoevsky argue for this? And let's start off by looking at the mortality of the soul, because I think that that is essentially where Dostoevsky tries to build in that everything is permissible. And I want to make it very, very clear that when he's saying everything is permissible, he's not talking it as if it is like, oh, if there is no God, you should go kill someone or you should go kill yourself or you should do X, Y and Z. And that's something which is a gross misrepresentation of Dostoevsky. You look at the works of um, you look at the video that I did in response to The Truth Hurts recently. I think his name was Harrison Kotha or something like that. In that video, you do see that it seems to suggest that, oh, if, if there is no God, then you should do something. It's an active command. But, but rather, when we're looking at Dostoevsky here, you have to look at it from the perspective of if there is no God, then there is no direct command. It is precisely the negation of that active command which Dostoevsky is turning to. And of course, then he uses the example to say, well, now that there is no active command, what exactly can we do to stop the boundless freedom of man? What can we do to stop the boundless potential of, of both good and of both tyranny of man? What, what does this lead to? From I begin with boundless freedom to boundless tyranny or despotism in seen in, in demons. That is exactly what he's wrestling here. It's like precisely without this God, precisely without this divine command or this, not necessarily divine command because it con connotes divine command through, but rather without this divine nature in humanity or this belief or in the divine, or in God, or the immortality of the soul, then what it leads to is precisely this lack or this negation of consequence and this negation of, of, um, of something which can stop us from leading to despotism. And that's essentially what um, this quote is trying to say. 
And you could also tie in to the idea of, well, there is actually no afterlife. There is no consequence for your belief. I think that that is also an important part of Dostoevsky's dictum here. It's precisely saying, well, if there is no immortality of the soul, if there is no afterlife, there is also no judgment. And when there is no judgment, there is no consequence. And that's a very dangerous thing to have. And this is not to say that Dostoevsky is acting on a consequentialist basis. That's not what he's saying. He, he is very... He strongly critiques consequentialism in his works, but rather just saying that when there is no judgment, it leads for people to do anything they want, knowing that there is ultimately no consequences to their actions. People can get away with absolutely everything. And this is, in fact, the argument that is so beautifully uh, presented in Crime and Punishment. It is the idea that if there is no God, there is no consequence. If there is no mortality of the soul, that is perhaps a better phrase used here, is that if there is no immortality of the soul, there is no consequence. However, there is a consequence. And that's what Dostoevsky is arguing, is that no matter how far you try to escape the idea that there is no consequence, because there is no immortality of the soul, there will always be a consequence, rather, whether it is in this life or in the next. Raskolnikov is tormented, tortured by his actions. And and so, you, and you see the same thing with Cain. This this burden, this mark of Cain is too, is too great for me to bear. And in the same way, you're saying, well... <clears throat> Under an atheistic view, there is no consequence because there's no afterlife. You don't you get away with absolutely everything as long as you don't as long as you evade the law or you evade the punishment given by humans. But rather, if there is an immortality of soul, then everything you do in this life has infinite significance, has infinite consequence on the future. And that is indeed what you do indeed see and you experience in this in this um, quote. And what he further develops is well, people are wholly free to do whatever they want. And that develops the idea that this is a negative quote instead of a positive one. It's not calling you to do everything. It's saying that there is no boundary for what you can do. It isn't saying you should go kill yourself or you should go commit murder. But rather it's saying that if you kill yourself or if you commit murder, there is no consequence. There is nothing that would stop you. And there's nothing wrong with you doing that. And the same goes reflectively for um, charity and good things, good deeds. There is no consequence. There's nothing you get out of it. You're free to do whatever you want. And some people say, well, that's a good thing. But I don't necessarily think that's a good thing. You look at Harrison's video and you see, well, that's, he seems to promote this idea of everything is permissible as something which is very good. But rather, I think it is absolutely horrible. And this is what Dostoevsky raises in, from notes from the underground, you do see the idea of the underground man arguing that, well, now that we've gotten rid of this, perhaps this structure, this religious structure, this immortality of the soul, everything becomes a possibility. There's a possibility, the idea of two plus two equals five. Everything is possible. There's a realm of possibility in everything and that you can do whatever you want. And the same goes with Ivan's influence on Smerdyakov, where, where he says, he precisely presents this dictum that there is no consequence. And what happens to Smerdyakov? Not only does he get away with killing a Fyodor um, Karamazov, the, the blame of the, the death also goes to someone else. So not only does the consequence go away from the person who commits it, but also to the other person who clearly was innocent for the crime. And when you have those two films or when you have those two situations put next to each other, without this further consequence, you realize that we're living in a seriously depraved world, which actually has no boundary. And when you look at this, you're saying, well, this is actually a horrible situation that we're faced with. There is no consequence, and hence everything is permissible. Not only are you are able to get away with murder, like Smerdyakov, what you then see is that other people can get punished for your actions, and, and the person who actually is committed gets away scotch-free. And you could look at the situation, and you're like, well... Is that seriously the world we live in? And to some degree, yes, because there is, if, if there is no immortality of the soul, then that is a logical conclusion. 
that anything is possible and that everything is permissible because there is no restriction. And that seems to be what the immortality of the soul part of this argument that Dostoevsky raises is suggesting. Of course, are there more things that you could raise in response to this or to analyze it? Yes. But I think that this kind of structure that is provided by Dostoevsky is very clear and I think quite accurate when you're talking about it from a consequential lens, not a consequentialist lens, but rather when there is no consequence, when you can almost get away with anything. And also the idea that there is no law which binds you. And now the second thing which you can read from it is if there is no God, everything is permissible. And that is also a very interesting um, phrase which is being raised because, of course, that in itself is another argument entirely. It's a, it's a metaphysical argument, a metaethical argument. But also there is a question of, well, what on earth does it mean by God? What does it mean by if there is no God? And I don't want to make this too much about metaethics. I don't think that that's what Dostoevsky is trying to reach because I, I think Dostoevsky is a phenomenal a psychologist, a phenomenal um, theologian, but he... But, but rather, he's not necessarily wrestling with the meta-ethical concepts in the same context that the analytic philosophers in our present day wrestle with meta-ethical concepts. But rather, what we're talking about this is, well, God is viewed here as a grounding of values, the religious mind, which, which you see. And, and I think that there is no better quote to turn to than from the quote in Demons, where he says, well, there are no people without their God. God is the stem of this religious landscape. No matter where you go, you are caught in a religious landscape and that the only escape from nihilism is a return to this religious landscape. And, and when you're looking at this, you might say, well, what on earth do you mean? But I think the example I give in the previous reaction video is, is, is very lucid. It's very clear when it comes to the religious landscape, when it says, well, what do, we, what do we mean when we say people are religious? It's not just saying, well, oh, people are, people are believing in this God, but rather it's saying, well, people are viewing or, or placing the existential value of a certain property at the core of their life. They worship that more than everything else. And in some way, that, that act of placing this, this value, this property, as that which is highest in their life is precisely the existential value that Dostoevsky is labeling God. And when you look at the, look at the dynamic that Dostoevsky is painting here, and I think is a very reasonable thing to hold on to, it's precisely to say that humans are torn between this, this fully rationalistic side and this fully existential side. And that in order to balance the human condition, you have to be in, in the middle of it. And this is what is so beautiful in the Brothers Karamazov. And I'll talk about this in a later video. But rather that when we're talking about the Brothers Karamazov, we see two completely correct analysis of the human mind. You have Ivan of the Euclidean mind and you have Alyosha of, of this of this existential mind. And both of them are, are two ways to approach humanity, but it becomes very clear that the science, the, this Euclidean mind is insufficient to explain the human condition. You could turn to whatever way you want, but if you're purely gonna approach life from a scientific lens, that's gonna dry you out. That's gonna, that's gonna get rid of what is left. It's gonna get rid of what is human in your life. And that is insufficient to fully explain what it means to be human. And on the other side, you have the religious mind which is the mind of faith, the knight of infinite faith, perhaps, in Kierkegaard's terms. And when you look at that knight, you might say, well, yes, that might negate some of the scientific discoveries. But there's, not, there's no reason to say that, well, one knight is any better than the other knight. In some sense, the, the knight of the Euclidean mind leads to the knight of in infinite resignation, whereas you must also balance between both of these worldviews in order to find a complete worldview. Um, 
an appreciation of the scientific mind, the, the scientific discovery, but also an appreciation that we do indeed live in a realm of existential uh, crisis, or we live in a realm of of being, perhaps, in a Heideggerian ways. And, and in order to be able to live as someone in this world in a fulfilling way, you must be able to balance the two. And in order to appreciate the existential mind, that is precisely to go beyond the Euclidean mind into a religious state. And that's why Dostoevsky says is that if there is no God, everything is permissible. It's precisely that when you purely approach the world from, from a Euclidean mind, from the scientific mind, it is insufficient. It is insufficient to answer the questions of meaning, value, purpose. And when you get rid of these ethical uh, dilemmas, when you get rid of these ethical uh, landscapes, what you do end up is, is complete nihilism. And when you reach nihilism, everything is permissible. And from that perspective, you'll say, well, Dostoevsky is correct. When there is no God, everything is permissible. It's that negation of the religious mind, that religious experience, that religious landscape, which naturally leads to the God the fly. It was flying in my face the entire time. Sorry that um scared you, but I mean, I had to kill this fly. Is it a mosquito or a fly? I think it's a fly. Absolutely demolished it. Sorry about that. But indeed, it is precisely the interaction with this religious mind and the negation of this religious mind, perhaps, which leads to nihilism and the idea that everything is permissible. So that's kind of my analysis of the phrase, if there is no God, then everything is permissible. Let me know your thoughts about this phrase in the comments below. Let me know whether you agree with it, disagree with it, what you think about this. And also let me know your uh, ideas about Dostoevsky as a whole. If you have any other phrases or concepts in Dostoevsky that you want me to analyze, let me know in the comments below as well. I will make those videos for you. Like always, stay safe, my friends. See you soon. Thank you for watching and goodbye. I'll see you next one. If you enjoyed this video, make sure to like and subscribe. It means a lot to me. It really helps the channel grow. Stay safe, my friends, and I'll see you soon. God bless, and I'll see you next one.